Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And we're back with the Spooky Hour, you guys. Welcome back. Yeah. We remembered how to do it. I felt so giddy counting down just now for some reason. I got nervous. I was like, can I count to three? Do I remember what to do? <laughs> what comes after one? Right? Like, <laughs> math is I- hard. I texted Yale like two seconds ago and I was like, why do I feel like I'm about to present in front of the class or something? Like, I'm nervous. Right? It's really funny because like in July when we're like, we're taking a break. I was like, Holly, we'll be back. But like the beginning of August, I got this. <laughs> like, it's going to be fine. And like a month and a half into it, Surprise! I was like, I'm, I'm not fine. This is not fine. <laughs> honestly there was no pressure i i knew you weren't gonna be ready in august and honestly this way is better because it's it's spooky season pretty much i'm calling it spooky season spooky season started september 1st absolutely so i thought it was good timing i think everything is working out just fine yeah and oh thank you guys for welcoming our newest cast member yeah our newest co-host we have a new co-host you guys He's great. Y'all had a fucking baby. <laughs> yeah, that's where we, we disappeared to. That's where we've been. Um, I've just been looking at said baby in wonder for the last couple months. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he went from like eating, sleeping, potato sack to eating, sleeping, drooling, laughing, smiling, bigger potato Wiggling. sack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so freaking cute, though. Uh, she did good. Congrats, Danielle. Thank you. And Thank now we're you. back, and we're trying to trying to see how this goes with the our newest member in the picture. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be fine. I think we got this. Yeah, we got we, this. We'll see how the format goes if we're going to keep up the weekly, because I don't know if you guys know this, but babies don't give a fuck about your schedule. Babies don't no. care about anything. <laughs> I'm just really stoked to be getting eight hours of sleep at night. And I Honestly, that's amazing. I know. A lot of moms and stuff, they're like, don't brag. But, like, I'm going to brag fuck because it. my child brag. is a good sleeper and I did good. He sleeps so. better than I do. <laughs> like, fuck. It's amazing. I feel like you should brag. That's like that's an accomplishment. Yeah. He's 10 weeks old and he sleeps eight hours every night. Don't don't, don't dim her shine. Let her have this. Right? She, babies you. are a lot of work. If she gets to sleep, then we should applaud that. I know. Uh, except last night, I was like, I gotta finish my script, and I stayed up, and then I got four hours of sleep, so it was great. So I'm miserable today, but it's happy fine. Saturday. Happy Saturday. I uh, I woke up at fucking six a.m. for no reason. Yeah, you and texted then we're me. Like, I was like, Why are you up? <sighs> we just do it all the time. We're so tired on Friday nights, and we end up passing out. Like I was asleep before ten. I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, we woke up at six. We're like, well, we might as well walk the dog. And then that turned into, well, we might as well bathe the dog. And then before I knew it, I was at the grocery store at like 930 in the morning. And I'm like, I did. This is not how I wanted my day to go. But here we are. Like, like, what is this? But the good news is I have fucking nothing else to do the rest of the weekend. So So everything's done. You can just relax. Yay me. That rarely happens. Um, You can come over and watch River. I can nap. I would love nothing more. Perfect. (laughs) he is so freaking cute like i i wish i could explain how cute he is like and i'm not just saying that because danielle's my best friend like i i said this to Stuart at work i was like i would tell you if your baby's ugly like he's not ugly he's the cutest fucking thing i've ever seen i appreciate that i need the honesty <laughs> in my life <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um i guess let's just get into it right i think we should let's do let's it get spooky i'm okay. excited so first episode back and we're gonna talk about the watcher house Ooh, that sounds spooky. Yeah, have you never heard of it? Oh my god, it's terrifying. No. It's fucking creepy chills. Like, I would never want to live here ever. Um, so in 2014, Derek and Maria Broadus 
um, bought like Maria's dream home in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, Maria grew up in Westfield and this home was just like a few blocks away from her childhood home. Oh, so she like saw it when she was a kid and was like, I want that house. Yeah. Like this is my dream home. I need it. I wish Um, I had that life. (laughs) Right? Like just be like, I want it. I got it. I don't have it. I can't do that. No, I'm still in my mom's basement. So (laughs) I'm just like, I want it. I can't afford it. So that's that's basically it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. River, you're ruining my life. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This poor kid. (laughs) I have not changed. Um, (laughs) So she knew the area pretty well. So they purchased her dream home and the purchase price was an easy $1.3 million pocket change. Oh, wow. Right. And what year was this? 2014. Wow, that's probably like a $7 million house now. Yeah. like It's crazy. It's nuts. So obviously they're pretty well off. Um, the Westfield neighborhood was like the 99th richest American city in 2018, apparently. Huh. So we know what kind of people live there. Not my kind of neighborhood. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they got the home in June of 2014 and they want to do some renos before like completely moving in with their three children. So their children were 5, 8, and 10 years old at the time. So Derek and Maria had, like, when during, like, the renos, had greeted their new neighbors with their kids and introduced themselves to the neighborhood. Um, But they were only three days into owning the home and doing renos when Derek went to the mailbox to find a letter that was addressed to the new owner. And the note inside was typed out, and it read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call you? Sorry, did... I'm already losing my voice. <laughs> did six 650... rusty. Yeah, we are very rusty. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched this house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It's now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. This sounds like a movie. Like, this doesn't sound like real life. This is real life, but it gets worse. So the letter continues, and it just, as I said, gets, like, worse and, like, creepier. Um, it says, I asked the woods to bring me some young blood and it looks like they listened. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk, 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 bad move. <laughs> you don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Ooh. Oh so, God, I don't like that. Yeah. So the letter continues. You have children. I have seen them. <gasps> So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Is there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it gre- or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who I am I? I hate this. Right? Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at the at all the windows and you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Oh, my God. The letter, I hate that so much. Right? The letter was then signed, but like the typed signature, the yeah. watcher. 
Oh, God. Like, I got, when I was reading this, I knew about this story, but when I was typing it, like, I have chills even saying I it. have chills right now. I feel like, I don't want to say nauseous, but, like, I have, like, a knot in my stomach or something. Like, I don't like that. No, it's terrifying. <laughs> Three days into owning was... this home, and that's what they yeah. get. And that, and they knew like about the kids and everything. Oh, I don't like that. The idea of someone watching me is like one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Like I hate like looking out my windows at nighttime and stuff like that. Ugh. Blinds, everybody. Invest in. Like, I'm already black over it. Can we, can we move on to my part now? <laughs> yeah, like it's done. We're over. It's done. The end. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't mean to come back. Bye. <laughs> um. So Derek was alone in the home at this time, and was late at night, and so he was obviously freaked the fuck out rightly so so he went around turning all the lights off so you couldn't see in the place and then called the police once the police arrived he showed them the letter and even they were just like what the hell um so they asked if derek or his wife had any enemies any like anything to figure out who the letter was from so the letter had no return address obviously so derek made a police report and returned to his old home where his wife and kids were staying so Derek and Maria ended up emailing the old owners who are the Woods. So they were mentioned in the letter um, to ask if they knew who the Watcher was. Oh, I thought he meant like Woods, like no. forest. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no. So the Woods are like the, the people, people who sold them the home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he asked if they like knew who the watcher was or like anything about the letters so they answered and said a few days before they moved out they received a letter from the watcher and they thought it was odd as it mentioned them watching the home all those years but that was like the first letter the woods ever received um and they lived there for 23 years so they ended up just like throwing the letter out thinking nothing of it which like makes me like roll a sketch like why would yeah. you do that like that's weird like you get a letter of someone watching your home you're just like oh, it's trash bye like that's like mean. even if you thought it was a prank i would still follow up just in case you yeah know? <laughs> like how do you sleep at night yeah um so the next day uh derek and maria went to the cops with like the woods and spoke to detect uh detective leonard lugo so the detective said not to speak to any of the neighbors about the letter act all nonchalant because like literally at this point everyone's a suspect in the yeah. in the area oh i hate that yeah so the first letter like really freaked the couple out whenever they were in the home they wouldn't let their kids out of sight so they didn't stay there they're only there for like the renos yeah so, like during the day um so derek ended up showing one of the neighbors the renos like hey this is what we did to the house and the lady was like um, it's nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood, which sent, like, red flags off in Derek's head. Yeah. Like, what are the chances? <laughs> um, so the family went two weeks um, with nothing really happening until Maria went to the home to get, like, uh, paint samples done. Um, mm -hmm. She checked the mail and, alas, another letter. So she immediately called the police and the letter wrote, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been very have been very busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found <laughs> what's in the walls yet? In time they will. Oh no. Yeah. So the letter also included Derek and Maria's names along with their three kids, but only by like the kids' nicknames. So whoever wrote the letter was close enough to the home to hear they were listening. Derek and Maria call their kids, but like by the nicknames. Oh god. Yeah. So the letter continues. I am pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The letter also noted an easel that was, like, inside the porch. So they have, like, one of those porches that it's, like, enclosed. Yeah. So there was, like, an easel inside that porch. And um, it was their daughter's. And the letter asked if the child was an artist in the family. Um, 
so like the person who wrote the letter was definitely like watching the kid yeah. make art on this easel on the porch but the weird thing is you can't see the easel from like the street view you it's like covered by like bushes and like vegetation so you'd have to be like peep peeking in like, yes yeah, so or something you could only really see it if you were like next door's house or like coming from behind the home oh my god yeah so the letter goes on 657 boulevard is anxious for you to move in it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house have you found all the secrets it holds yet will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone i'd be very afraid if i were them it is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will they sleep in the attic? Like, who said... Like, yes. Childs always sleep in the attic. Duh. <laughs> so will they sleep in the attic? Or will you sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been con in control of 657 Boulevard for the past part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you, you two are the Bradas family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you, sorry, greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving day. You know I'll be watching. God, I honestly wouldn't have even moved in. Like, no. I'm, I'm, I'd be over it at this point. They're still I mean, I would have been over in. it the first letter. They're still not moved in. They're still doing renos, so just burn the whole house down start fresh yeah like you don't need it so after this letter derek and maria obviously refused to bring their kids back to the home and they were actually questioning moving in at this point yeah and then weeks <laughs> later another letter where have you gone to 657 boulevard is missing you the boulevard used to be the street to live on you made it if you lived on the boulevard so when the woods listed the home they actually received multiple offers but ended up going with the broadest's so derek and maria um and then we're starting to think that the watcher was maybe one of the families that put in an offer and were declined. Um, but when speaking to the woods, they said the two other the two other families that like sent in offers, one backed out for medical reasons and another bought a home, like another home. So they didn't like seem too upset over losing the house. Yeah. They were just like, whatever. Um, so the detective, Lugo, advised, as I said earlier, not to mention the letters to anyone just to keep their eye out. Um, so Derek and Maria ended up going to like a welcome barbecue across the street. It was for like another family that moved in. Uh, Derek ended up speaking to John Schmid, who lived like two doors down from Derek and Maria, like well, their new home. Um, John had brought up the Langfords who lived in the house between Derek and John. So John said Peggy Langford lived there since the 60s. She was about 90 years old and lived with several, several of her children. He described the family as, like, very odd but harmless. Um, one of her kids, Michael, who lived with her, John described as, like, the kind of, like, Bo Radley character. So that's, like, t the book, The Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Yeah, so basically he keeps to himself, is shy, doesn't bother anyone. But because of that, naturally people chalk him up to be this, like, weird outsider. The and, creepy like, guy. Yeah, uh... and the rumor mill just, like, flows at that point. So Derek, being that person, was like, hey, these letters are probably from the weird neighbor michael case solved however their house um would have been able to like 
the thing is, is like the Langford's house would have been able to see the easel. So yeah. he's just like kind of trying to connect dots at this point. Um, and, the, and then John mentioned they lived there since the 60s. And that's when the parent like watcher letters started. Uh, so Derek mentioned Michael to the detective and the te- detective actually said that the first after the first letter, they already brought Michael in for questioning. Oh, yeah. And Michael, you think they tell them that, <laughs> like... right? Like, and like the fact that even the cops were just like, what about this weird person? This automatically was like, yeah, He's shy and quiet. It's him. Um, so Michael denied writing or knowing about the letters. So there wasn't any evidence pointing to Michael. So obviously they had to let him go. Yeah. Um, a few weeks later, the police ended up telling Derek and Maria there wasn't much else they could do for the, like, to further the investigation. Like, they can't track the letters. The letters are typed. They have no, like, real suspects at this point. So Derek and Maria were pissed. So they started their like, own investigation. Derek added webcams to the home and would spend nights in the home, like, sitting in a corner in the dark. Like, same. <laughs> i have oh my god i forgot to tell honestly him. The, the, whenever i hear stories like this like the weird quiet guy it's like god damn like we're totally suspects in any murder that happens near us just because we're like the quiet weird people <laughs> yeah it's so true and also like i understand nate we had i'm gonna say it's not really sidetracking but i gotta tell a quick story so we had these crazy people move in next door. <laughs> so they're next door to the people that are living beside us and they're renters, and they're just, you can tell they're a weird couple. Same situation. However, Homeboy was in my fucking backyard a couple weeks ago yeah. at 5.30 in the morning and no shoes and walking around absolutely plastered. And it was a whole shit show and cops got fucking involved. And he said he was being chased by someone, blah, blah, blah. No, he was trying to break into my fucking house, guys. Yeah, it's so creepy. And we have him on video. Like, Yeah, what? it's a good thing you have cameras. I couldn't believe that. I, I think I was awake around that time for whatever yeah. reason. I just don't sleep. Um, And she texts me and she's like, the new neighbor's in my backyard. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You guys should see the, the, video's cam- the video. Just like, it's creepy. It's like haunting for, I don't know why. It's just, I don't know if it's because it's just like a stranger in your yard and that's why it creeps me out. Or if it's just the vibe he puts off. Yeah. But I was like, uh, are you okay? Like, There's no reason for him to be in my backyard. Basically, no. he saw the camera and booked it. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, what if he's looking for an entranceway or something? Yeah. Like, you don't know these people. They're brand new. And, and the he's drunk a- in your backyard. Yeah. I'm like, the only one that's allowed to be drunk in your backyard. Yeah, like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was awake because I was feeding River. And so Stuart went outside with a freaking baseball bat. Yeah. And then when the cop showed up, he had to put his mask on. So he came back inside with a baseball bat and a mask. And this is how great my dog is. <laughs> She didn't realize it was Stuart, so she got so scared, she ran upstairs, hid under the bed, and pissed herself. Amazing. So I what a, a guard dog. What a great guard dog, right? My my dog, uh, he will bark at someone entering the home, but the second you pet him, he stops. He's like, so oh, like I probably shouldn't say that out loud. Like, hey, come rob me and just pet my dog and you're fine. But, like, that's literally all it takes. Like, he could go from, like, uh, so my mom had her friend over, her, uh, and he's, like, he's a big dude. He's, like, 6'3". He's, like, a bigger guy. And uh, I was like, make sure you pet Rupert because he'll bark at you until you pet him. He's like, no, I'm the man of the house. I do what I want. Rupert got all offended and like jumped on his hind legs and everything. Oh, my God. The the guy, Kevin, was like, "Okay, fine. And he pets him. Rupert was his best friend the rest of the night. Stop. Followed him around the house, followed him around the backyard and everything. And I was like, I told you, just pet him. That's it. That's all. That's the trick. Best works guard dog ever. We have (laughs) great guard dogs. Clearly. Come rob us. (laughs) uh we sidetracked already yeah we did i'm sorry i just had to let everyone know that everyone has crazy fucking neighbors especially these people okay um 
So they obviously... Wow, I just had a bug in my face. Um, so again, Derek and Maria were pissed, so they started their own investigation, added webcams. Um, they hired a private investigator who did background checks on um, the, the neighbors, mm-hmm. so like Michael and his family, and nothing came up. They even got in contact with FBI agents. So Derek knew one from... like He was on like a high school board of trustees, so both of them were on it, so he knew them. Um, so the FBI agent said that le- the letters were probably written on like an older writer because the sentences were like double spaced and the letters sounded angry, but didn't have any profanity. So it suggested like a less macho macho writer. So it wasn't like a, they're just trying to I be a dick about it. I'm but, picturing like an, an old man or something. Like, yeah. Like 60 plus ish. Yeah. Like they were d- just trying to sound creepy without yeah. sounding like threatening yeah um, but the fbi agent said that they don't think the watcher was going to act upon anything and it was just kind of like empty threats they thought that the watcher was just angry at the wealthy and the reason they thought this is one of the letters wrote the house is crying from all the pain it's going through you have changed it and made it so fancy you are stealing its history it cries for the past and what it used to be in the time when i roamed its halls in 1960s were a good time for 657 boulevard when i ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there the house was full of life and young blood then it got old and so did my father but he kept watching until the day he died and now i watch and wait for the day when young blood will be mine again um, so the broads, broadses, wow. <laughs> say that 10 times fast. <laughs> I'm not going to because I'm not going to say it now. <laughs> so they were convinced it was Michael Langford. Um, so they ended up writing a letter to the Langford saying they were going to like, uh, tear down their own home in hopes for like a response, um, but got nothing. Cause they thought like, if this watcher was so infatuated with this house, if we send them a letter saying we're tearing down our home, he'd get pissed. Yeah. He or she would get pissed. Um, so the police department detective um, brought Michael in for another interview, but again, nothing. So the Langfords ended up accusing the police for harassing their family, which is actually correct. Um, and Derek and Maria ended up getting their lawyer involved, and the lawyer contacted the Langfords to address everything that was happening and showed them the letters. Um, but again, they denied it and saying Michael was innocent. Um, there was a whole neighborhood um, they should have like considered. Apparently, there was not... like one but two sex offenders that lived like down oh, the road good. yeah great yeah and one of the painters working on the home noticed the home behind Derek and maria's actually had like lawn chairs that were close to the property and they noted that there was an older guy sitting in one of the chairs but was like facing like Derek and maria's home instead of like their own home which is weird yeah but like at the same time it's kind of a stretch because like if there's something going on and like someone's doing like housework maybe they're just like nosy neighbors nosy like and just sitting there waiting because like at my parents house the next door neighbor they were cutting down a tree and i have three neighbors including my father across the street like a video of them all just sitting there watching these people cut down <laughs> doing a tree. the dad pose like it's like <laughs> it's just a thing so they could just be nosy that's all yeah um so by the end of the year of 2014 there was nothing the letters obviously had no fingerprints it was typed so there's no digital trail and they couldn't get it connected to anyone so they were kind of at a loss at this point um one of the letters they received showed that the washer was going off like a little bit off the deep end a little um it read 657 boulevard is turning on me it is coming after me i don't understand why what spell did you cast on it it used to be my friend and now it's my enemy 
I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again at, like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it and let it be alone. So they basically want them to bring their kids in, move in, and stop yeah. doing renos. That's terrifying. Like, what the fuck? I don't like it. I also don't like that he's talking about the house that gets alive. Like, yeah. what does that mean? And every time he says young blood, I just think of the Green Day song. So I keep, like, playing <laughs> it in my head. I think of five seconds of summer. So uh, I think yours wins. Um, yeah, I was like, I'm showing my age a bit. Mm. <laughs> I did, That's literally the only song I know by them. It's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's fine. It's catchy. Um, so this whole time, Derek and Maria, like, never moved into the home. So they ended up selling their old home and moved in with Maria's parents. Six months after purchasing the Westfield home, they put the house back on the market, asking for more than what they paid because of, like, the renos they did. Yeah. They refused to move in after these letters. They weren't going to. I can't Um, blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them either. However, there was a lot of rumors floating around as why the house sat empty for the six months. So Derek and Maria agreed to do a disclosure, which would mention the letters to the interested buyers, but would only show the letters to the offer that would be accepted. So it's kind of like, hey, we received these letters, but you can't see them unless you buy the house. Um, (laughs) So people put bids in for the home, but were asking like way below the asking price. And none of the offers got accepted because they didn't want it to impact, like, their financial situation. Yeah. Um, the re- realtor told them they don't need to disclose the letters as it's sort of, like, scaring off buyers. But Derek and Maria insisted as they didn't want anyone moving in not knowing the history. And um, they were also, they kind of did this because they wished they were told by the Woods about yeah. the letter that they had received. Because of that, they actually ended up filing a legal complaint against the Woods in June of 2015, saying that the Woods should have disclosed the letter. So, like, a little civil suit. Um, so, actually, a lot happened after this in, like, a two-year span. So, they weren't able to sell the home, but they got a lot of, like, news attention. So, it was, like, all over the news at this point. Um apparently there was a woman's dna found on one of the letters but there was no matches ever found um the langfords were ruled out as suspects but the police never told the family why and that happened right before um derek and maria were going to file a civil suit against the langfords as well um so they looked for other suspects but everything led to a dead end the house kind of like became this creepy haunted legend like kids wouldn't walk by the house it was like a go knock on your door if you go knock on the door if you're brave sort of house (laughs) So rumors began to began to spread at that point, um, and Derek and Maria had like buyer they they thought like people were starting to say that Derek and Maria had buyer's remorse when they first bought the home and actually sent the letters themselves. <laughs> yeah, and did all of this to try to get out Can of the you imagine sale. Having the time, like- right? Like, so they did this to get out of the sale. So even though they denied it completely, um, they couldn't end up like selling the home and re- but refused to live in it because of the letters. Two years later, they ended up purchasing another home in Westfield. So they borrowed money from family and friends to do so. Um, their lawsuit with the Woods wasn't going anywhere. They tried to sell the home again in 2016, but buyers backed out once they read the letter. So again, unable to sell. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, they tried to sell it to a developer. Again, it fell through. Like um, they had to get like permission to like 
tear down the home yeah. and the developers didn't get permission like it, it was denied so it didn't go through um, this is like the worst case situation can you imagine like buying it especially a house that expensive and you're yeah. just like stuck with it yeah and you did all these renos and now like you waste you kind of wasted your money and they're still paying yeah. like the mortgage for it oh my god while not living in it right um so they ended up being able to rent it out to a family um so they had older children but they had also had two dogs so the renter wasn't scared of the letters but had put um it in like their their contract as a legal clause that if they ever received another letter they were legally allowed to back out of renting the home immediately and Mm -hmm. i i believe the derek and maria agreed to it i like that they're like not trying to screw anybody over they're like hey this this place is fucked up but like we don't want it anymore so yeah and also like tear down the walls and see what's in it because like it's terrifying that's like one of the first things i would have done is like ripped especially if they're already doing renos yeah what's in the walls exactly do we find out what's in the walls no oh we don't God. So, yeah, so two years after everything, Derek had gone to visit the home as the renters complained of squirrels in the attic. When he <laughs> when he arrived, the renter handed him a letter, and it just arrived. It was dated February 13th, which was the same day Derek and Maria were giving their depositions against the woods. It read, Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. <laughs> sorry yeah his wench of a wife (laughs) wow right someone's angry i actually changed my mind i think it is a woman writing these (laughs) so maybe a car accident maybe a fire maybe something as simple as a a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day maybe the mysterious death of a pet loved ones suddenly die planes and cars and bicycles crash bones break you wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong when its army of supporters barricade its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Yeah, so that was the final letter received. So Derek and Maria ended up actually selling the home in 2019, but took like a $440,000 loss. Wow. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. So the civil case against the Woods ended up being dismissed, obviously. Um, Netflix bought the rights to it, and The Watcher's coming out in 2022, and it's going to star Naomi Watts. No way! Yeah, so that's, like, no one has ever found who The Watcher is. There's been, like, honestly, I could have talked about this forever, but I didn't want a long episode because editing in a baby takes forever. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, there's some people, like, with the women's DNA, there was, like, some people in the neighborhood, they they thought of suspects. There was more, like, in-depth with, like, Michael and stuff like that. Yeah. But they just never found out who it was. Is the Netflix series going to be like gonna try to be like true to the tale or do you think they're gonna have like a like a reveal at the end kind of thing like they're gonna use some creative freedom i kind of hope they use creative freedom just because the suspense is killing me that i will take a fake answer over (laughs) over no answer i feel like they will leave it as like open like a cliffhanger almost like i don't think they're gonna reveal who it is but leave it as a cliffhanger so that they can make another one and make more money 
oh my god i want to watch this because this this creeped me out yeah. i hate that isn't it like cre- like this one's cool because it's technically like there's technically nothing paranormal going on that we know of but like i'm scared it's terrifying <laughs> the thing that's yeah. terrifying about it is it's like it could literally happen to anyone but they, the yeah. person who wrote the letters was so thought out and so planned like i'm pretty sure it's not like they just plopped it in a mailbox like they drove like halfway across yeah. the city plopped it in some other mailbox and it came that way well how did they know they were coming that day you know the yeah. last letter like how did they how did they know i don't like this yeah <laughs> So, like, I could not imagine. Like, oh, that's a mind fuck. I also, uh, like, so this is again just me trying to make everything spooky, but like talking about like something in the walls and like how I used to live in the walls and all that. Is it a real person sending the letters? Is it like someone speaking through a person? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like someone possessed by the person in the walls. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, what's what's in the walls and yeah. like what's what's the tea sis i need more like, i i can't help you i'll go buy the house if you want me to let's do it yeah. oh my god i feel like if we pull together we might be able to do it maybe apparently maybe. the new owner is like no one knows who owns it and but nothing is, has... is it occupied is yeah it... interesting but no one has said anything like there's no like there's no other letters that have come forth wow yeah that one gave me the heebie-jeebies without having a friggin' ghost or anything in it that was that was a good one it's just like because it's so realistic like it could literally happen yeah. and it could like how do you know that like it's just bullshit or if something's actually gonna happen to you you don't, you don't. and that's why I don't, ugh, and just again the idea of being watched is just like terrifying like that's supposed to be your home you know what i mean and it's someone's safe like space. yeah and it's it doesn't feel safe and i don't no. feel safe and i'm not even there yeah. <laughs> like, and the, the crazy thing is they never even moved in yeah i don't blame them i feel awful for them though like that was expensive that was her dream home and they get there in some psychopath it's just like shitting on everything like that's terrifying but also if they did that just to get out of a sale they didn't do a very good job so on yeah because they didn't profit so i don't believe that just judging on the fact that a they took the loss and b they were trying to like be as transparent as they could about everything you know what i mean like they were like oh you could for sure see the letters like yeah I, I don't know i like i trust them i've yeah. never met them but i trust them <laughs> yeah i don't think they would i don't think they're sketch at all to be honest Ugh, that know. was a good one way to way to start us back up yes we need the creepy vibes because it's spooky season hell yeah murder? um kind of oh, kind of are you kind of murder well we're gonna discuss that okay um so i'm coming back with a what i think is a controversial episode because it's it talks about parenting and i know that's a sensitive topic um so i first heard about this case just before hiatus and i've been dying to cover it like ever since <gasps> i think I know um, what I'm, talking about. <laughs> I'm gonna start this with a disclaimer that i don't judge anybody's personal parenting choices i am simply i, <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that totally um kidding. but i am gonna say uh i think some wrong decisions were definitely made here okay um so this case comes out of Alberta, Canada, Ooh. and uh, we're going to have a little bit of a backstory because I didn't know about this until I uh, started doing research, and there's like a whole big old can of worms behind this. So uh, we're going to start with David Steffen. Uh, he was 10 years old when his mother died. Uh, she had battled yeah. mental health issues for all of his young life and did her best to take care of her 10 children. Jesus. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, her demons won. 
Uh, one day she had gathered all of her children into her van and had driven them out to the river. She told them something along the lines of, don't worry, we'll all feel better soon. But she ended up backing out at the last minute. Uh, not too long after this, his mother got back into the van by herself, drove out to the river again and connected a hose from her exhaust pipe to her window. Um, her body was found the next day. So David's father, Anthony, was devastated. Uh, his wife suffered from bipolar affective disorder, but she was on a slew of medications that were supposed to be like keeping things in order. Um, as if this tragedy wasn't enough, two, is, two of his children started showing signs of bipolar affective disorder as well after the passing of their mother. That's heartbreaking. So, his 15-year-old son, Joseph, would walk around carrying a bat and just, like, trying to pick fights with strangers on the street for no reason. Honestly, um, he- same. <laughs> Literally. And this girl's um, same. <laughs> he suffered uh, delusions and severe panic attacks along with fits of rage. Uh, he was prescribed lithium by a doctor but refused to take it. He ended up falling into, like, a deep state of mania not long after his official diagnosis. So uh, it di- the article didn't go into details, but what I gathered is that he just, like, completely lost control of his mind. Like, mm-hmm. he just wasn't in control of himself anymore. Yeah. Um, and then their older daughter, Autumn, was in her early 20s. and me too um she was in her early 20s and married at the time of her mother's death and she too uh showed signs of bipolar affective disorder she uh, suffered hallucinations and she even suffered like fantasies about killing her newborn baby um so (gasps) she she knew she had to get help that made my body just like you had a mom reaction (laughs) um the baby's safe we'll we'll say that um so anthony was watching his family quote literally coming unglued before his eyes Uh, as he said in an interview he wanted to find a solution that would help his children and i guess in some weird way avenge the death of his wife so he spent a year quote researching and praying as one does how do you avenge Um, the death of your wife if she wasn't we'll get there it'll make sense so uh he met david hardy who was a livestock feed salesman. oh my god i fucked that up a livestock feed salesman okay i thought you were having a stroke i was like i thought i think i did a little bit um just we're back at it (laughs) (laughs) so he sold like whatever the fuck cows eat um hey and during a conversation is that what they eat whatever they eat i don't know what does the horse (laughs) say like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this is off to a good start uh we're sober too (laughs) well i am worst part Um, guys i can drink again okay go on but she hasn't liked anything yeah so far every sip she's taken she's like i don't like this anymore and i'm like fuck what are we gonna do guys i told her she should try like straight whiskey or something just drink whiskey on the rocks maybe you've like progressed like 40 years in age and you just need to like i think maybe it actually could be a thing try it i feel like while i was pregnant because your taste buds change every seven years mine was like my seven years because now i don't like sushi i don't like the texture of it devastating i don't like any of my ciders i usually drink i've only had like two and i couldn't even finish they also had a shitty summer is what we're saying yeah basically (laughs) um Sorry, I sidetracked. Got back to the cows. Yeah. So uh, during a conversation, David said that he noticed farmers giving their problematic pigs these like nutritional supplements. Uh, so these pigs were showing signs of psychological distress, such as tail biting. And Ooh. David noticed that once these pigs began consuming the vitamins, their behavior stopped. 
This sparked an idea in Anthony. What if humans could take a supplement that would cure their mental disorders? Naturally, he tested this theory on his children. Okay, Joe Rogan, um, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I'm going to get sued and I don't care. <laughs> oh my god, I would be honored if Joe Rogan sued us, to be honest. Like, I don't have much, but you can It'd take what funny. little i have yeah it would be funny um he ate cow balls for a living so did he ever eat them actually i shouldn't say that i don't know he took horse um dewormer so yeah i saw that <laughs> um so he developed a vitamin using a combination of supplements he found at his local pharmacy uh the concoction looked like rusty water apparently which sounds super appealing super uh, he safe tested- too. yeah he tested it on his son joseph first uh, and apparently Joseph chilled right out and would later describe it as feeling like a cloud had been lifted from him. Probably because his brain is melting. <laughs> Literally. Um, so next, Anthony wanted to try it out on Autumn. Uh, initially, Autumn and her husband refused to take the magic potion, stating that Autumn was already on prescribed medications and it's dangerous for her to stop taking them willy-nilly, which is true. Do not just stop taking your medications cold turkey. Um However, Autumn was hospitalized after a particularly bad psychotic episode, and when she was released, her husband drove her right to her father's house. Autumn claims her father, quote, stuffed her with Ativan to sedate her, a claim Anthony denies. But regardless, she ended up taking the magic potion, and she too seemed to be cured of her mental illness. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the Ativan. Um, Nothing at all, no. So locals started buzzing about the so-called pig pills and Anthony ended up collaborating with David Hardy to try to find the perfect formula. Uh, They built a website and began selling their miracle vitamins in 1996. Anthony created the Synergy Group of Canada and its sister company, True Hope Nutritional Support Limited, to conduct research. Uh, Two decades later, the pig pills remain the company's star product and it's now called the Empower Plus Supplement. Uh, So it's a real thing. Products are sold. Sounds like it would be a run by a couple anti-vaxxers but <laughs> well interesting you say that um oh, okay. so products are sold through the website truehope.com a bottle of 228 capsules costs 80 dollars, <laughs> and it's shipped from a manufacturer in the u.s um the fact oh, that they so, can get away with that is crazy to me again we are not done you are you're like you do this all you catch all the points that i'm gonna get into because you're so analytical <laughs> sorry <laughs> no no it's funny like everything you say i'm like yeah no we i i got that like um so they they have like a call center in alberta that was staffed by people who were claimed to be cured by the pills and they gave like medical advice and told people how to wean themselves off their like antipsychotics isn't and, that like, illegal I'm pretty sure it I'm is. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, it sounded very not kosher to me. Like you can't um, give medical advice if you're not licensed. So I'm pretty yeah, sure illegal, illegal. So they're like, stop taking your prescribed medications and drink our rust water. You'll feel better. And if someone um, dies, you can get sued. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, they ended up like exploding and becoming a multi-million dollar company without any real research behind them. It's still just this guy and this this pig farmer guy That's making terrifying. these pills. That's terrifying. Um, so in 2000, uh, Stefan, 
oh, I've used his last name here. Oops, I did it again. Um, in 2000, Anthony convinced the Alberta government to fund a two-year study on the effective <laughs> on the effectiveness of Empower Plus. However, Health Canada refused to approve the trial because the supplement was not an approved drug. Thank so God. this kicked off a conflict between the federal department and uh, they later raided the True Hope offices in 2003. They suspended shipments across the border, which sparked a lawsuit. Uh, in 2004, Health Canada charged the company for selling the supplement without the proper approvals. However, that same year, Health Canada... This is so hard for me right now. Um <laughs> Health Canada changed the rules on like natural supplements and it ended up like allowing Empower Plus to keep selling. Um, so ultimately they won the lawsuit because Health Canada just fucked themselves in the ass. Why is Canada um, so passive? Like it, it was the time it's like they forgot they were being sued and they were like, we should pass this law. And then they're like, fuck. <laughs> like who um, runs this shit? God. It was a disaster. So they, uh, I bet it was true the conservatives hope- at that point. Oh my god! It was the year two thousand. I think you're right. <laughs> I don't know our it. history very well, but uh, um, so they ultimately uh, true hope. So Anthony won the lawsuit, and in two thousand and six, the Alberta provincial court cleared the company of all charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what happened in Alberta though? Because Alberta's just a absolutely up it's I'm just so a, yeah, it's a disaster right now. Oh god. Uh, so what does this have to do with David Steffen, who I mentioned in the beginning? Well, uh, he ended up following in his father's footsteps and became heavily involved in the company. I think he was like the vice president or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also followed this like completely holistic lifestyle because of his father's findings. So he didn't go to the doctor. He didn't take medicine. He didn't get any vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. He was one of those like everything must be pure to enter my body kind of things. I'm sorry. Um, what you're mixing together is not pure. but, all right, but... It looked like rust water. <laughs> it probably was. That's exactly what's in it. That seems so much safer. Um, So David met his wife, Colette, while working at the company, although she left when they had children to be a full-time mom. The couple had four children all together, and they all followed this holistic lifestyle. So they had, like, home births. The kids had never seen a pediatrician. Um, They just, yeah, just kind of did the whole holistic approach to life. Um, so friends and family claim that the Steffens were all happy, very healthy, and very loved. Uh, their children were well taken care of, and they were apparently just this perfect little hippie family um, until, unfortunately, tragedy struck. I mean, they're like, th- I'm a hippie family in a way, and my kid has a vaccine. So. I feel like there's, yeah, I feel like there's maybe some lines that you draw, you know? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Bit. Um, their third son named Ezekiel appeared to have a cold. They treated it as they had before with garlic and oil. Um, but the, <laughs> I'm trying not I'm like, to sound judgy, but I felt like that sounded pretty are judgy. Are you offending off like Edward Cullen? Like get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> oh my God. A Twilight reference already. Everyone drink. Yay. Yay. Um, so the, the cold seemed to be getting worse. Uh, the boy, who is just 19 months old, developed a wicked <gasps> cough, which a holistic nurse friend of the couple said was croup. Uh, croup is, like, fairly common amongst children. It can go bad if left untreated, but Probably apparently it's just kind of like... What's that? Probably it's fucking ammonia or something. Mm. So they continued their treatments, as is, and his cough worsened. Over the course of a week, he stopped eating and became lethargic. He developed a fever and his chest was like making wheezing sounds. Yeah. Uh, the couple had to use an eyedropper to get him to consume water. Take him On, to a hospital. Fuck. You'd think. 
On March 5th, 2012, Ezekiel seemed to make a miraculous recovery. He ate solid food and was sent to daycare where he enjoyed a day of playing with his friends. He seemed perfectly fine until the next morning when he was right back to square one. Um, I thought that was kind of weird, and I don't know if I 100% believe it. Yeah. Like, it's just weird that he had one really perfectly fine day. Um, so by the end of the day on March 6th, uh, he, Colette noticed a weird sort of tick behavior that he was exhibiting. He was rubbing his face and tugging at his diaper in an unv- involuntary manner. So it looked like he didn't know he was doing it kind of thing. Um, the next morning he seemed fine again. So the couple decided to stop their garlic treatments. Um, on March 11th, however, he worsened again. He would not eat or drink. He was lethargic and his body started going stiff. By March 12th, he was so stiff that his back arched and the parents called their nurse again. She told the parents she thought Ezekiel could have meningitis and told them to take him to a doctor. But they didn't. Instead, they gave him an electrolyte and amino acid supplement called Total Reload, which definitely sounds safe for children. Here, have some Gatorade, um, all right. <laughs> and treated him with olive leaf es- extract, garlic, and this thing that I forgot to look up how to pronounce, but it's like 40 letters long. I'm assuming it's some sort of herb. Um, on March 13th, they wanted to drive into Lethbridge to pick up more supplements and run errands, but Ezekiel was so stiff that he would not fit into his car seat. The family put him on a mattress in the back of the car <gasps> and did not take him to a doctor. I'm going to fucking lose my mind. Uh, yeah, I'm this mad. one's... I should have put a trigger warning in this one. Um, yeah, heavy trigger warning about 10 minutes too late. Um so at 8.30 that evening, uh, Ezekiel was having trouble breathing. David and Colette called 911 because uh, they were living in like a remote area and they decided to drive him to the hospital, uh, placing him again on the mattress in the back of the car. Um, on their way to the hospital, Ezekiel stopped breathing and Colette began to give him CPR and they called 911 again. So they dispatched an ambulance at that time, hoping just to meet them halfway to the hospital. That's how far out they were. Um Unfortunately, by the time the ambulance met up with them, Ezekiel was already blue. Um, He was eventually flown to the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary, where he was declared brain dead on March 15th and removed from life support on the 18th. Um, Physicians have to report cases of suspected neglect or abuse, so Child Protective Services were already at the hospital by the time Ezekiel had passed away. Yeah, no fucking Uh, shit. Yeah, literally. Um, David and Colette were charged with the failure to provide the necessities of life and faced up to five years in prison on April 26, 2016. Yeah. Because it's, they didn't call it manslaughter or anything. It was just the failures to provide Mm -hmm. the necessities. Um, on April 26, 2016, the court found David and Colette guilty of the charges against them. Uh, apparently, their friends and family were shocked by this finding somehow and alleged they were only found guilty because of the family's earlier battles with the Canadian government slash Health Canada. Uh, they claimed that the jurors had been paid off by the government in order to ensure a guilty verdict. I don't know. I feel like finding out your child has meningitis and not taking him to a doctor is probably like you're probably guilty um and you deserve way longer than five years yeah uh they did not file an appeal but david did write a dear jury letter that he posted on his facebook page just days after a verdict was handed out (laughs) he didn't plead for forgiveness and he didn't claim to be innocent and he didn't even say anything about the loss of his son uh instead he used the letter to shit talk the canadian government and the healthcare system the post reads quote 
I only wish that you could have seen how you were being played by the crown's deception, drama, and trickery. This verdict has also now led to a dangerous precedent being set in Canada. The floodgates have now been opened, and if we do not fall in line with the parenting as seen fit by the government, we all stand in risk of criminal prosecution. So that's what he had to say about the tragic death of his 19-month-old son. What a sack of fucking Trump turd. Trump turd. <laughs> what? Like, how does one... You laugh so hard I hit my mic. <laughs> how does one shit talk the fucking healthcare system when if you called earlier, the healthcare system that is fucking would have saved your free son? to you would have mm-hmm. saved your son, you piece of dog turd. Oh my yeah. god, I am so rattled. Yeah, this is this is one of those cases. Um the Supreme Court of Canada ended up overturning the verdict and ordered a second trial. Uh a judge hearing the case without a jury found them not guilty in what? 2019. So they were free for a minute. Um, this left a sour taste in the justice system, so the Alberta Court of Appeal granted a request by the Crown in 2020 to overturn the acquittal and ordered a new trial. Um, so basically, the like the appeal court was like, no, fuck this. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if they were involved up until that point. But like, no, 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 we don't like that. So they just, you know, overturned it themselves without anybody else getting involved for whatever reason. Um, so on June 22nd, 2021, the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service issued a statement to Global News saying it had decided to stay the charges against the Stefan family. Their statement read, quote, It has been more than nine years since the child passed away and the available evidence has deteriorated since the previous two trials. The available evidence is no longer sufficient to meet the ACPS standard for prosecution and a reasonable likelihood of conviction no longer exists. In making this determination, senior prosecutors reviewed the evidence, transcripts of the previous proceedings and input from prosecutors who previously handled this file. Their assessment of the matter was further reviewed by a team of prosecutors, including those with expertise in the area of child protection files. That team agreed with this assessment. So they they stayed the charges. Okay. They are no longer facing charges. <clears throat> I'm going to fucking fuck somebody. <laughs> like, I am so rattled right now. <laughs> like, what... I think, like, in those cases, like, if the charges stayed... Like, the five years. Because five years isn't enough, okay? Yeah. They should also have to be sterilized. So they can't <laughs> fucking they can't have another reproduce kid? and kill more of their kids. I should have laughed at that because, like, it's not nice, the idea of them reproducing again. And, like, it's just... I'm sorry, yeah. but, like, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. Science saves lives and medicine saves lives this world needs to stop being so fucking stupid yeah i cannot i my mom can't <laughs> me. i'm really mad right now i'm so <laughs> mad it's uh, i'm all for like you know trying to do things like even myself when i have a cold i will just drink tea eat oranges like try it out my vitamin c but like if You're that cold keeps going old. if that cold keeps going I'm gonna go to the doctor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if it don't go away, it's like. Yeah. And that kid was 19 months old. 19 months old, and I, I feel like diapers. Uh, I just feel like, especially for a younger child, a, a toddler or younger, it's like every little thing that's wrong. I would want to get checked out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like my it, kid th- sneezes, and I'm like calling the doctor. <laughs> He's dying. Yeah. Like, holy um, shit. <laughs> 
yeah, this this case bothered me. So, um, yeah, so they they're free. Uh, in an interview, David uh, said, "quote It has been absolutely life consuming. It's somewhat of a relief in relation to not going back to trial again. Although there was a part of me as well that would have liked to go back to trial and been able to dig in more to the missing evidence and all that we still haven't had." provided to us eight years into it uh, i don't know what evidence he's referring to like the the child has died yeah um, there's your evidence <laughs> i think it's a little too early to celebrate now we're still involved in the battle we're still moving forward to the supreme court and it's still going to be a bit of an uphill journey so the Steffens are planning to sue the courts to be repaid for the money they've spent over the last eight years of trials um so i think they absolutely should be charged with the failures to provide necessities um the the weird part for me is that there was no signs of like abuse per se so it's like i don't know if murder is the right charge i maybe manslaughter but Mm -hmm. like i they definitely should not be free like there's no unfortunately their actions caused the death of their child and i feel like their actions need a reaction i just feel like it's the way the world works the fact that they use garlic like yeah and another thing is like i don't like their general attitude about the whole case like they they cared more about their reputation and uh like trying to smear the government and all that like they never publicly really said anything about like the actual loss they were just like canada government's out to get us because we sold rust water pills like yeah so i child that died i will keep you guys updated on this if this does go any further um i would like to see some charges stick i don't know this this leaves a gross taste in my mouth a rust water taste if you will yeah it's disgusting so yeah that was my happy-go-lucky case to get us back into this next week's fun too really (laughs) so excited guys i quit Uh, what's that i quit (laughs) (laughs) but no i uh yeah i chose that one for a reason um it kind of you know spoke to present times to me a little bit i was gonna say Um, it's very present times right now yeah yeah um yeah that one was you it just, was hard to so I, I just don't i don't want to say you don't want to offend anybody aggressively offensive but it's like you know please take your kids to the doctor if they're showing signs of meningitis let's leave it at that <laughs> yeah please just trust the health officials at least with that much like, yeah it's just people are stupid <laughs> that's it that's what we've discovered doing this entire podcast is just like people are stupid yeah <laughs> It's always like there's always going to be those people, unfortunately. Like, majority of the people actually have common sense. Yeah. But then but there's, there's families always that like one. This. There was actually another case, um, strangely enough, also out of Alberta. Uh, and I was actually going to cover it at the same time uh, because it's a similar story where mm-hmm. a child died because of they didn't take him to the doctor. Uh, but then I found out the back history and I thought that was kind of important to the case. So it ended up being way longer than I <laughs> had planned. But. It's just, I'm so yeah, mad. Yeah. We're both just, having a hard time with this one, if you can't tell. It's just like, I'm I don't like, want to start fights, but yeah, this one pissed me off. Yeah, I'm like, I'm. I'm Danielle's like, I'll start a fight. I'll start a fight. <laughs> Being a mom now, I will start a fight. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. I can't believe that. How can parents do that? Canadian justice system for you. See, this is another one where, like, there you go, Americans. We're, we're pretty fucked up up here, too. Yeah, we're really fucking stupid up here. And with that happy note, 
I don't oh my remember god, do we even remember our social media? <laughs> <laughs> guys. Guys, you know it by now. Just follow us. <laughs> Instagram's a spooky hour podcast. Twitter is spooky hour. And our Gmail is the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com. Nailed Welcome. it. Yay. Nailed it. Yay. This wasn't nearly as messy as I thought it was going to be. We only stuttered a little. Yeah. And we did it. I had a lot of river mean, slept the whole time. The whole Yay, time. River. Yay, River. Yay. <laughs> Good job. This is what it's going to be now. We're just going to celebrate every time he sleeps through our recording. Yeah. Because I had him up for like an hour or two beforehand. So he'd zonk right out. Amazing. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Mom power. Right? So, guys, and I guess just stay spooky. That. Stay spooky. Bye, friends. Bye.